Hey, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Conquering Columbus podcast. I am one of your co-hosts, Mike. And if you listen to this, well, it's the Monday after Thanksgiving. So I uh, hope hope you had a, a great holiday, however you were able to celebrate it this year. It's, it's, it's been a year of uh, strange events, and I know that a lot of us probably didn't get to celebrate Thanksgiving the way we wanted to. But uh, hopefully, if you were able to see any friends and relatives, you were safe. And, uh, you know, if... Uh, you weren't. If you were like me and uh, my wife, we're going to be cooped up inside in our little apartment uh, celebrating our first Thanksgiving uh, as a couple. Uh, then I uh, hope you were able to find a way to be grateful for everything you do have. Uh, you know, one thing that I know that we're grateful for is all of you tuning in. It really, really is uh, the main reason we do the podcast and it's it's uh, what keeps us going. So appreciate all of your support. Uh, this week on the podcast, though, we've got another uh, we've got a repeat guest. Mr. Philip Payne, and Philip is the founder of Aportis. Uh, last time we had him on the show, he had big plans for Aportis, but uh, well, as things tend to happen when you're in, an, uh, when you're an entrepreneur and you own your own business, well, it didn't go according to plan, and uh, they've kind of made a big pivot. But I think they've got a lot of exciting stuff going on, and you'll see that the pivot was necessary and something that made a lot of sense for their business. So, I uh, hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Hope you learned a lot from uh, our conversation with Philip, and uh, as usual. We'll be right back. This is Conquering Columbus. Hey there, Conquerors. Today on the show, Jenny Brittenbauer of Jenny's Splendid Ice Creams. I'm truly never comfortable. When I'm comfortable, I'm bored. I just have to keep going. Only when you're a little bit scared are you in a place where you're about to learn something. We're explorers, and explorers are making discoveries because they are going places people haven't before. Urban Meyer. There's one guarantee in this world, and that's hard work will be rewarded. And hard work, you have to embrace discomfort. I love how you said that, a little uncomfortably. Donato's Jane Abel. We have a umbrella idea of agape capitalism, which is about doing business and doing it with love and giving back to the community. And I believe in our products, but more importantly, I believed in our people. Pelotonia CEO, Doug Olman. There's this genuine pride for things that were born and raised in Columbus. And that's awesome. At the same time, there's this beautiful Midwest humility. People don't necessarily care about who gets credit. Cameron Mitchell of Cameron Mitchell Restaurants. One of our goals is to be better today than we were yesterday and better tomorrow than we are today. And that goal stays the same 24-7-365. This is Conquering Columbus. Hey there, Conquerors. Welcome to another episode of the Conquering Columbus podcast. And uh, I'm your co-host, Mike. And we got Tim over here today with me, hanging out. What's going on, Tim? You know, just living the dream, man. Living the dream. Living the dream. Well, uh, we're we're missing Josh today. Unfortunately, we're going to miss him. It's all right. Um, he's hard at work. So Yeah, he's got, you know, he's a little busy. But uh, uh, really excited about our guest today. And uh, he is a return guest. So if you've been following the podcast for a while, you might already know about him. But I don't uh, think I was here the first time. No, Tim. This, so this, this is, is first pre Tim. Me. So uh, our guest today is Philip Payne, and Philip is the principal and founder over at Portis, a technology company here in Columbus, focused on disrupting the healthcare industry. And their goal is to provide real-time guidance on diet, exercise, medication, and more from your phone, laptop, or tablet when you need it. And before founding a Portis, Philip spent some time in varying roles in the marketing space, and he received his MBA from the Wharton School of Business. Uh, this is Philip's second time on the show, like I mentioned. So we're really excited to learn about what's changed for him and his team in the past couple of years. Welcome to Conquering Columbus again. Wow, guys, thanks for having me. This is a pleasure and um, uh, an honor to be a return guest to Conquering Columbus. So Yeah, well, you've had some big changes. You've been doing a lot of uh, indeed fun stuff. But actually, 
I was going to start right into that, but then I realized, well, you know what? Tim probably doesn't even know what a portis is. I was going to say, what and, is a portis? And <laughs> we've got some guests and listeners out there that are new to the show. So uh, could you just give us a little background on a portis? Sure thing, because we actually have to change that intro about us now. So we, because of some pivots and some changes, which is cool. It's, you know, it's the life of an entrepreneur and a, a startup company. I screwed up. No, you didn't. Yeah, it's no, right. no, no, no. It's, it's, it's a great topic. Teachable. You know, there's going to be a thread throughout this podcast of uh, portis dancing to different kinds of music each time. Um, so Portis at our heart is a telemedicine company in the fact that we have video connection component. So what we were a health and wellness platform, did all that stuff like you, saw, you heard on the intro, but over a year, Governor Kasich prior to DeWine, they had an opioid technology challenge and it was a global challenge. And um, we looked at our technology and we said, you know, if we could really kind of make some changes in the idea of how telemedicine is done. No download, no system to log into, just a quick connect to a counselor. So when that moment of need, that moment of readiness, when somebody needs to make a change or needs help, they can make that connection. So we re I'm not a techie, um, so I'm going to explain it to, I'm going to explain our stuff as. Yeah, so as what is a tel tele? Telemedicine, is that what you said? Yep, telemedicine. So like when, you know, like if you got, if you wanted to go to the doctor, right? But, you know, it's something small a lot of times. Yeah. I can hop on my phone and hop on a meeting and I've got an app on my phone for this that allows gotcha. me to just right. do a video conference with just the doctor. Just a video conference. Like, hey man, I got a little bit of a cold. Right. Can you do something for Gotcha, me? okay. Yeah. So, so it's like WebMD, but somebody talks to you. Exactly, yeah. So that you don't drive yourself into dying. Right. Three, 30 seconds. It's, it's, it's who you site. call before going to the, like before <laughs> actually going into the office and say like, yeah. hey, I'm concerned I have cancer. Are yeah. you concerned too? Should right. I actually go in? Right, because you looked at WebMD. And yeah, that's, you. that's exactly, if yeah. you're on WebMD, you're dying right. within every 20 time, seconds. Every time. So what we did is we took that kernel of video piece and we rebuilt that technology to the point where there is no download. There is no system where you're logging into and we don't even need Wi-Fi. So it's for that idea of somebody um, that is struggling going through that opioid crisis. And lo and behold, we were picked as a finalist. So this global um, contest uh, we won the second phase and we're just like, it was like the dog that caught the car. It's like, holy cow. And um, so now uh, we had to make a decision. Okay. We heading down this health and wellness route that we think we could disrupt, but there's a lot of competitors and it's a, it's a bit of a slog. Or we have now created something that has, that the people stood up and took notice. So we went down this route and interestingly enough, the, the opioid technology challenge win has been a boon and a bane for us. It, um, it certainly got us noticed by the state. It has some gravitas to it. The problem is trying to deploy a statewide solution is very difficult because you have so many people involved and so many institutions and stakeholders. And the, the list goes on and on and on. So it's interesting enough that we won this thing, and yet we're still kind of on the sidelines with it. So Part of that pivot, part of the dancing is, well, we've created this system and then we built a platform around it that whomever's on the other end, a clinician, a case manager, a counselor can take notes, attach it to the thing, typical case management piece. And then we have resources available for the person on the other end, as well as the case manager, counselor. So where could else could that be applied to? And we kind of zigged when everybody was zagging. So we're telemedicine, but we're, in my head, I think we're the gap fillers for populations that are struggling or overlooked 
or under-resourced. So um, we're really excited. We are being launched by the Lancaster Fairfield Community Action Agency. Community Action Agencies are, they're federal, each county has one or one covers many counties. This one covers five counties. And what their mission is, is to raise people up out of poverty. So now you have a population you're working with that's very difficult to get a hold of, difficult to manage, especially during this time of COVID because there's no face-to-face. So our system goes out. They can connect with their case managers. They have 24-7 access to resources. So the, the case manager is working on, let's get you stabilized in housing. Then let's start working down the list to raise you up out of the poverty line. And that it's great for not only them, but then as the state itself, you know, you're changing the tax base and all those kind of things that politicians want to hear. So our system is designed for that homelessness. It can be connected. They can make that connection. And interestingly enough, we got a patent pending on it. So I'm really excited about that, too, because in the tech world, patents are difficult. So basic premise is it's a video platform Mm -hmm. that allows you to connect without requiring any sort of verification, identification. It's just, hey, this is the link that I click on and I will be connected with my case person. Correct. Okay. That makes a lot of sense. I mean, I'm thinking about it, right? Like, so like with applications like Zoom, things like that, there's a download, you have to do, you know, some type of thing. FaceTime, you got to have their phone number. Right. Right. So there's, there's limitations there. So I guess I I see the problem right now. And then on the you know, again, the back end, the tech side that I am not, I think is we're HIPAA compliant because we're dealing, they could potentially talk about health issues. And then they also might have substance use or mental health issues. And it's typically some comorbidity components. And um, there's a federal mandate, the uh, CFR 42 part two, which is um, like, it's like HIPAA and beyond. So if you have issues with mental health, you have issues with substance use, there's a higher mandate for your medical records. So we're compliant with that as well. So we've created the system that they can instantly get into and it's locked down and data secure. Hey everybody, we're gonna take a quick break here to talk about one of our sponsors, One Columbus. You know, it really couldn't be cooler to have a sponsor and a partner like One Columbus. They are directly in alignment with everything we stand for and everything we're looking to promote here at Conquering Columbus. I mean, they just want to bring the most competitive companies to the area and make everything about the city and the region just one of the greatest places to live in the United States and in the world for that matter. Yeah, they're like the ultimate Columbus hype man. They're trying to bring new businesses here, show them what our strengths are, but also address some of the weaknesses and say, like, this is how we could get better. So for us, we're excited to help promote their goal and help tell the story with them on board. Absolutely. And if you guys want to learn more about One Columbus, check them out at columbusregion.com. That's columbusregion.com. Have you seen issues with, or it was the, you were talking about op- op- opioid. Sure. What was your involvement? I guess I'm, I'm doing something yeah. this week and I was just told about, I already knew it was bad. I was just, I was checking an email, but they said at least one Franklin County resident dies a day from mm-hmm. opioid o- overdose. And they saw 55% increase in the beginning of this year. I was oh. just uh, like getting told about no, no, that it, earlier this year. I knew it was bad, but I guess I didn't realize it was that bad. Is that something that's, that was like a response to seeing that because of the app? Or I guess what, what, what caused yeah. that? So right now the news cycle is so clogged up with, we have elections, we have mm-hmm. all these different kinds of things, and certainly the pandemic. And that is colored everything um, yeah. this year. 2020 is a very interesting year. And hopefully we never have to go through this kind of yeah, year seriously. again. But the substance use issue and in the overdose is exponentially larger this year. Mm -hmm. You have people that are isolated. 
You have people that are they're dealing with loneliness. They don't have their community structures are falling apart. And now they have a mental health issue. Potentially, they might have financial issues, homelessness, unemployment, and it just gets layered on and layered on. And sometimes that might lead to substance use and the disorders that come with it. So, yes, we're seeing a massive uptick in overdoses. Usually every weekend, sadly, the Franklin County Commissioner puts her stats out and we're breaking records every year. I mean, you know, I think last weekend was 17 overdoses in Franklin County alone. Yeah, that's not a record you want to break. No, not at all. And I think that for the average American, you know, there's they have two things. There's a good chunk of America that still believes, oh, there's just a choice. Well, that's not that's not the case in any form or fashion, but I'm here I'm not here to discuss that. Mm-hmm. But these people are just trying to survive in, in in whatever reality they've made, you know, and as it's crumbling around them, it just is worse and worse. Plus you've added in fentanyl. Yeah. So the influx of fentanyl, that's a tongue twister, mm-hmm. um, has added to this overdose component. So yeah, it takes far less of that. Than oh my gosh. It's, it's three grains of, basically yeah. three grains of salt is, mm-hmm. will, will kill you. Last year, there was a record case of somebody being caught in Dayton. There was two drug couriers and they had a brick of fentanyl, which is about the size of, uh, I don't know, maybe nine inches by three inches. And that has enough potency to kill 100,000 people. Yeah, that's so, it's not great. No. So we've created the system and we're applying it to, in this fashion, the Lancaster Fairfield Community Action Agencies. And if you don't know anything about community action agencies, look them up. They're amazing people trying to do amazing things. And this is coming out of the Department of Health. And when Amy Acton was head of the Department of Health, so it's certain communities are looking at trying to address the homeless population. Mm-hmm. Again, for the average Ohioan, they can decide, you know, in their head, you know, is the choice or not choice on the on the thing. We're not here to debate that. But we are here to say the monies that we're spending as a taxpayer on substance use and supporting and trying to deal with it, we're in billions a year in Ohio. And it's just eating up percentages of our GDP. Yeah. And then you add in the pandemic and all this other stuff. It's destabilizing our tax base. Can we help? You know, certainly I'm biased. I think we can. But we're doing some things that are really quite unique. Well, talk about a pivot. <laughs> I mean, so but you guys yeah. heard in the intro kind of what Aportis was right. before this. So right. when you make that kind of a move, I mean, that is a monumental shift yeah. from where you were going. Mm-hmm. I'm imagining that there had to be some restructuring and there had to be some realignment. Like, what did you do with just all the work you'd done up to that point? <laughs> number one. Yeah. And then number two, like, how do you shape your team going forward? Did you bring new people in? Did you have to make moves? No, that's a great question. It is a fundamental ground shift. And it was definitely one, it was, it, it was eating at me and I knew we had to do it. And um, it was a long weekend. Maybe I had a couple of glasses of bourbon just to kind of mellow out and get, get through the process. And then uh, we've built a team that I'm really proud of. We have some great people at Aportis. And so we've reached out to, and we're starting to, to go out into areas that would not typical of a software company that I've typically worked for. You know, you product managers, you got program managers, you got this, that, and the other. And we're bringing in people um, like my chief innovation officer, Tracy Ballas, worked at the state and her role was the alleviation of poverty. So, you know, she had some mandates and she had some structures and things in place. So she understands what's happening at the state level and the federal level. We have an amazing, and I, again, I don't want to call her an intern. It's just not a fair word. 
Her name's Paige Jennings from Ohio State, and she's the College of Social Work. She's getting her second master. She's got a law degree already. And her, you know, her car business cards are like the czar of all social work. And what she understands and how she approaches things is at a very macro level. She's not going to be the social worker that sits across from you. She's going to be the policy person at the state house that's looking at the big picture and how can systems be put into place. So we had to do a pivot on this. We, we had all this stuff and we were heading down this path and hell, we won uh, an award for our uh, health and wellness platform. And we just said, you know what? We think we can do a bigger thing here. It's going to be a longer slog. Um, and we're going to have to kind of create our own elbow room, but we seem to be our own, the only one there. And I'm sure there's something buddy else out there that does what we do ish in some form or fashion. But we do a lot of very unique things, and we're really proud of that. Have you, have you ever heard of blue ocean versus red ocean business? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. We, you, you see a blue, we're walking towards the red ocean, and I see a blue ocean over here. Yeah. Might as well chase that blue ocean. And for those of you who don't, who've never heard that analogy, right? A blue ocean is, you know, an open ocean, right? There's no blood in the water. <laughs> There's not a lot of other sharks around. It's just you out there, right? Yeah. Whereas a red ocean market, right? There's blood in the water. All the sharks are there and you were fighting for every scrap. Indeed. So that's kind of a, it's an analogy. And I can't remember what it's from a book or a specific, well, I'll have to look it up, but yeah, no. it's, it's a concept that we talk about a little bit at FMX and, and it sounds applicable here. The, it, are you talking about the ocean strategy? Yeah. Yeah. yeah the strategy. book's just called blue ocean strategy. That's right. But yeah, that, you nailed it. <laughs> Thank you. And really that's it. It's, it, but we have to have enough faith in what we're doing and the mission and our convictions that are going to take us through this change. Certainly COVID has, you know, that impacted us, but we just stayed the course. And now we're seeing, we're doing some things that I'm really proud of, you know, and as a company, like we paint you a picture. Typically at universities, the layers of stress on the kids is um, increasing every year. They're dealing with um, anxiety, um, the pressures of the school, understanding that the job market's significantly shrunk um, this year. But, you know, how, where do they stand in this? Plus, they're dealing with a pandemic and all that. So certainly schools like Ohio State University has deep pockets. They have um, endowment and resources, but they all still have been impacted. But there's smaller schools out there that are impacted at a higher margin. And we're providing the telebehavioral component. So students at Wilberforce University, this is in Dayton. And if you haven't heard of it, um, this is the first historic black college in America. So it's not a very large school. Their students are in the dorms, but having to um, do teleclasses. The counselors, they can't connect with face to face. So now what we've done is we've taken our platform. We said, okay, we have it for student bodies. So the students connect to the counselors, the clinicians, if they need to, they can set appointments, go to waiting rooms, all that, like a telebehavioral component. They have 24 seven access to resources. But then we've, what we've done is also, I, I think is key, the support network for students is still the family unit in some form or fashion. So we give the family a version of this as well. So it's branded by the whomever we partner with. So this is a, a Wilberforce University branded app that goes to the parents. So they have resources available to them. So they, if they see changes in their son or daughter, what are things to look for? We certainly want to head off any sort of self-harm and then they can have access to, okay, what does Wilberforce have to offer? If we see these kind of changes, here is the con phone contact, phone numbers, all that kind of stuff. They don't have the video connection, but they have a unique set of materials for them.
that is just a huge win in my book because it's it takes if somebody's dealing with some stressors or mental health issues, heaven forbid, substance use or self-harm, mm-hmm. it's definitely the support network that needs strengthened. And we provide that. We're going to take a quick break here to thank one of our sponsors, the Burlett Family Foundation. The Burlett Family Foundation is committed to serving as a trusted partner and resource to organizations striving to improve our community here in Columbus. All right, let's get back to the episode. So it sounds like you got a lot going on. There's just, there's <laughs> yeah. just a lot, yeah. but what are the initiatives that you're really focusing on right now? Right. So what are the things that, you know, you, when you go to the office in the day, what are you thinking about? Well, right now it's just, it's the, there's that moment in, in any company's life where you start feeling that big wheel just starting to, to turn. And we're in that, gr- we're in that moment right now. We have, as I told my team at the halfway point of this year, in the middle of COVID, is this is our opportunity now to create raving fans. You know, and that's a bandied about word, but it's not only are we looking to apply our platform for in new applications, new universities, new schools, new whatever, but it's the making sure that the initiatives that we've done, because they touch people's lives. We don't want to, I'm just not selling software. We're we're creating an environment. We're getting people involved and we're hopefully helping them. So the goal is let's make sure that the partners that we're working with, like the Lancaster Fairfield Community Action Agency, they are going to be proud as all heck showing off their systems and what they're doing. So when they talk to other CAAs, when they talk to the state, because we do reporting and analytics, it's all built in. And now they have control over their own reporting. And not only the reporting for what the state requires, but we're, we want to work with them on a constant basis to start looking at maybe things that are over the horizon so they could look for other funding opportunities. So they are a nonprofit, but nonprofits um, that have grants or things available typically will want certain data points or things. And now they'll actually have access to the, those data sets. How big is your team? It's not really big. It's, I have five full-time employees. I have three interns and a, techno, a little bit of a technology team. So we're not big. I don't think you have to be. No, you don't, right? Like no. if you've got the product and you've got the stuff. So like basically you're selling into main target is government organizations, right? State level State, department. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And, the uni- and schools. We, and then we section off schools and school districts. I haven't even talked about school districts yet. Okay. And <laughs> so all right. I'm tapping and? on that. So here, yeah, we're, we're, we're talking with, and we hope to have the, you know, the, put the final touches on things with a school district here in Ohio. This is not any form or fashion sign or things, not a client, but we are working with them, may hopefully becoming engaged with them. But I, I bring up the Toledo public school system for the reason that, again, the bubble that I've lived in, one, I never heard of like say community action agencies and you know, this, oh, wow. Okay. Okay. They exist. They do these things. That's great. Let's talk about the Toledo public schools. There's 23,000 school uh, students in the school district. And this is the thing that floored me. 3,000 of those 23,000 students are considered homeless. Oh, wow. Yeah. So what makes them considered? So it's not as hardcore as like you're living on the streets. Mm -hmm. It could be living on the streets, living in a car, couch surfing, several of the students living together in like they've rented a place and they're just crashed there, Mm -hmm. living with an extended family, things like that. So no stability or no stability whatsoever. So you've already put some poor kid behind the eight ball and he's they he or she has to work very hard to overcome that and then start to thrive. 
Yeah. So the school districts themselves have case managers that deal with the homeless component, how to get them stabilized, start working them through some things. So what's really unique about our platform is our platform will allow the student counselors to have access so they can talk to the student about student school or school things, all that kind of stuff. But case managers also can log in with their own unique lens, work with that kid, and on the issues of stability and housing, all that kind of thing. And they can run their own unique reporting. So there, so we have multiple views about one person. And that's kind of one of the, when we pivoted and we said, we're going to create this thing, we're going on this path is, it's the idea that there's a lot of resources out there, and but very siloed, usually, you know, command control from top down, but then the flow of information and things is not that great. And and I don't want to make any sort of disparaging remarks about the state government because they do amazing things. But what we see as our fit is that one person in that population can be surrounded by all the unique pieces. They can work on that person and then have their own unique lens, their own unique reporting components, their own, and then have analytics on top of that. So... We're really excited about the Toledo school system opportunity because it's in partnership with the homeless board of Lucas County. It's multiple agencies now are involved. So it's not an easy, I'm just going to go here to school and sell this thing. It is, Mm -hmm. I want to get all the right people involved and now we can surround these kids. And so we're talking at multiple school districts that way. So we have a school university piece and then we have our case manager on demand piece. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's uh, it's a huge pivot, right? Yeah. It's a big, it's a big pivot. And you, you know, you made a lot of things happen. We're going to take a quick break to hear from one of our sponsors. Working from home is full of challenges. Online school from home can be even tougher. The internet's frozen again. I can't hear my teacher. Don't add to the frustrations with no hot water for showers or laundry or cooking clogged drains in your kitchens or bathrooms. You have enough going on at home right now. You know who to call. Let the pros at the Waterworks handle all your plumbing and drain cleaning. Call 614-25-DRAIN today. Talking about some of the things that that happen when you pivot, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, you got to be flexible. You got to go where that market leads you. So it makes a lot of sense. What are the biggest lessons you've learned so far Uh, on your entrepreneurial journey? Oh, there's many. One, the one I should have listened to right away is build something with other people's money. That uh, yeah. I, I ignored that one. Um, I, I made that mistake for, <laughs> for about 15 years. <laughs> um, so yeah, uh, I, I have amazing partners right now. So I have some equity investors, but they're not equity investors. These are people that are invested in me. They're invested in our mission and they, they bring more to the table than just money. So are these people you had a relationship with before or is that something that strictly came? Okay. That, being, I'm in my right. first funded, privately funded company right now. I've sold multiples that I built myself and mm. now, and I'm learning about like the size. It was always like, you know, we don't make right. enough, you know, the relationships, how do you ask for it? Do it all yourself. So I'm always curious about like that relationship. Is it going into it? Do you have to, or did you prove your value first or were they like right. investing in you? Like we believe in you, you know? Right. Yeah, the first one is uh, I had a previous relationship. He mm-hmm. is so he invested because it was me. And then as we started making some traction, 
uh, one of the investors is um, a software company in town, a software development company. Um, we went through many, and I learned some painful lessons there. And uh, maybe that's one of the things as an entrepreneur is I, I took advice from somebody about how to build out a system, mm-hmm. and I ran with it. And I didn't do enough vetting, and I ended up with something that's totally unusable, you know, we salvaged some pieces, parts of it, but it's just, it, it was just, it was a painful lesson. Yeah, it's expensive. Expensive, expensive lesson. And I did that when early in my career, so it was kind of by myself. Mm-hmm. And after I vetted several um, relationships, several developers, we've honed in on one that really has exceeded expectations. And then the owner of that development company believes in what we're doing, believes in me and sees, the, you know, the value. So, he is a development partner for us. So it's kind of nice having a development staff and all this kind of thing. But at the same time, our goal is to grow a Portis. And um, so he can see value for it in the mm-hmm. end, how he wants to see it. Yeah. The whole term pre-revenue is, is one of my yes. favorites as I've, I've, I've gotten older in business. Right. Growing up, we never have enough money to, to hire people or to do stuff because you're trying to use that money to right. pay yourself, pay the bill, right. stay alive, and then order more product, whatever you're doing. Right. And now, you know, the pre-revenue is a fun term for, for yeah. burning cash without production. You know, right. obviously you have to produce. There's a wall that you're meeting, right. but you know, that's a, the bootstrap or whatever you want to call it versus it bringing on. Yeah. If you have the, if you have the opportunity to bring in a, a, in a if it's a strategic partner, right? Mm-hmm. We, we applied for, or we got invited to try out for Shark Tank and we made like oh, a video. Wow. We right. actually made it and then got cut the day of filming, which is a whole oh, nother no. story. But okay. That whole process, you know, we evaluated our company, mm-hmm. figured out not just the the value of the money, but also the person, right? Right. Because if I'm going to give you that much money, I want to see a return on it. So right. it's not just giving up a piece of your company, but you're also bringing on a partner. And so that was right. something that took me right. way too long to learn. So if you're, you know, an, an entrepreneur listening, get get a strategic partner as quickly <laughs> as possible. Exactly right. With deep pockets. <laughs> yeah, I... Um... Yeah, these are very strategic partners, and they have been fantastic. So that's awesome. It's uh, I'm I'm really happy of where we're at. Now it's the we need you know we need to execute, mm-hmm. and we have so many f- things in the fire that, um, like we had our best month ever this month, and I look at next month as there's a chance it could be three to four times the size. And that's kind of the trajectory I want to get back onto. We, because of the pivot, because of this opioid technology win, where we went down a path that ended up becoming almost a false positive, but we took what we learned from it and um, applied our platform to other areas that could benefit from this. We would still love to help the state of Ohio and the opioid uh, the Department of Mental Health and Addiction Services is listening. Give me a call. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. And uh, so, Philip, you know, last time we were here, we asked you if you had any advice for our listeners. And, uh, yeah. you know, obviously you've learned some new lessons. Right. Um, so we'll ask again, see if it's changed since then. Uh, right. Do you have any advice for people out there that might be considering being an entrepreneur or young professionals, just kind of anywhere in their career? Sure thing. I would say, and this is so trite, but so important, is culture is everything. And... Because you're going to be tested over the course of your, over this, until you become profitable. There's going to be moments where you're going to have self-doubt. You're going to have moments where people that are working with you or aligned with you, 
they have their doubts. They're struggling and, you know, they're trying to wrap their head around, what have I hitched my wagon to here? And, but if you, if you really truly look at this and say, you know, this is where we, our value system, this is what we believe in. And then we start doing measurable outcomes from it. Uh, we're pretty plain and, you know, we have certain things that we believe in. They're kind of goofy and weird, but to us, that means a lot. And usually, you know, if you ask any Aportis employee what they are, they'll be hopefully be able, hopefully if you're listening, uh, be able to recite them. And because each one of them has impact on our bottom line and the trajectory that we're trying to create. So um, just saying culture, having a ping pong table or this or that really is just icing. It's the understanding of when you're addressed with an, an issue that is going to be problematic, where do you fall on this? What do you believe in? And then if you are representing a portus in front of somebody and you're pulling us forward, what do you say? How do you act? What do we do? And so sometimes as an entrepreneur, you're going to learn that taking a couple steps backwards um, actually gives you a, a new path opens up and it's the correct path. And it's been, that's, you know, it's not so much pivoting. It's more of, again, you've, you've found some false negatives and you've, you backed out of it and you, you try a different thing. So hold yourself together, believe in yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Right on. I, I think that's really important. You know, I'm there's, there's no one has accomplished anything great without falling down a few times, oh. you know? Yeah. I mean, that's just the fact. No, sure. Like there's like, yeah. there's nobody out there that has ever built a million, multi-million billion dollar company right. that didn't have a moment where they got, kicked in the teeth. So you can't stop believing in yourself. Just keep pushing. Yeah. Yeah. I'm a, I came from a long time in the e-learning business and I'm a big believer in uh, lifetime learning. So the, probably the other piece that came out of this and part of our culture is continual learning. So uh, understanding that there is a ton of resources out here. You know, I mean, looking at you two guys and conquering Columbus, you're a resource to this city and to your listeners. You're, you're getting people involved. You're getting information out. So that's just one piece, but you have Rev1. You've got all these incubators. You've got this or that and the other. If you're starting out and you're looking to start a company in Columbus, I will be the first one to say that I couldn't have done this in any other city than in Columbus. There is so much out there that, are, that, that help. And you have to look at it that way. You don't, look, you wanna, don't wanna think of it as a handout. Um, you wanna engage with, what resources are out there in Columbus and then learn from it and then take back knowledge or criticism, whatever. And, but you have to internalize it and then keep moving forward. So I'm a huge fan of Columbus uh, and we're not born here, but um, this is my city. And uh, thank you guys. It's a good one. Our sponsor is Waveform Music Group. Andy and Carlin have been working with us to take the production of Conquering Columbus to the next level, and Josh and I cannot be happier with the results. Outside of podcast production, Andy and Carlin are experts in songwriting, music production, and sonic branding for companies of all sizes. And to learn more about them, head to their website, createwaveforms.com. That is createwaveforms.com, and tell them Conquering Columbus sent you. Thanks, Philip, for, for joining us today. We got our last question coming up. Okay. 
Uh, I think you did know he this, get this one. one last time. He did get this one last time. Oh, so I we, can't remember. When we've had people on in the past, we always go back and check and see like, hey, did your answer change on this question? <laughs> oh, okay. I was going to say, we have to make up one on the spot, like a new question. A new question? No, no, no. We give them okay. the same one and we see if they answer the same way twice. Okay. Okay. So Phil, Is it good to answer it the same way twice? Or? I don't know. We'll right. find out. Okay. I don't think there's a wrong answer to this question. All so right. uh, it is centered around the theme of our show, which is live uncomfortably. Yes. And uh, again, <laughs> I don't know if we told you what we thought about it last time, but we usually don't. So uh, mm-hmm. without telling you too much about what we think about it, okay. how do you think of the phrase and how does it apply to your life and career? Well, certainly the uh, I came from a blessed career that uh, I just decided I'm walking away from. I have an idea and uh, not being a serial entrepreneur, this is my first time and I'm still in it. But the uncomfortable pieces, you have to you have to reckon with that. You have to face the fact that I have a wonderful family that's supporting me and letting me do this. But I also know that, you know, I have things that, you know, we'll get to fixing this at the house because I need to make sure my employees are taken care of. We need to do everything that's surrounding me as a person is secondary to now as I take on more and more responsibilities. So, I want to make sure and do everything I can for my staff and my people, because those people are the ones that are going to propel me and support us. Those people are the ones that are going to make the raving fans. And if they don't believe, and I let them down culturally, then everything tumbles. So the uncomfortable bit is you have to make a ton of sacrifices. You know, we haven't been to vacations in ages, mm-hmm. as I mentioned prior to this podcast. The I have a, a wonderful 14-year-old daughter that, you know, I'd love to have her you know, take her to this wherever. And um, we've just had to make sacrifices. It's the uncomfortableness is the personal component. I don't think that's the way I answered it the last time, but uh, hopefully it's imparts some little bit of wisdom. <laughs> <laughs> I think it has, Philip. And uh, again, really enjoyed talking to you as usual. And uh, we appreciate you taking the time to jump in and tell us about what's been going on at Aportis. So thank you. thank you. Oh my God. Thank you guys. This has been a pleasure. Yeah, good luck with everything, too. Thank you very much. All right. And uh, Conquerors, thanks so much for tuning in. Hope you guys enjoyed that episode with Philip Payne over to Portis. If you did, leave us a like, share us with your friends, leave us a review. It really does help. And honestly, like if you like our podcast, we want more people to hear it. We want more people around Columbus to see it. And the more that you guys do, the more our reach is. So again, really, really appreciate y'all tuning in every week. We'll talk to you next week.